0: Hello and welcome to another exciting Pulpy episode of SFP Now As you recall last month we had David Avingone, um Of Dynamite Publishing Who was um, on to talk about his Doc Savage And The Ring of Fire comic This week we have Andrew Mark Sewell The Big Kahuna, The Head Cheese Over at B7 Media The company that's been producing the fantastic Van Der Radio Adventures which, which have been released uh, through Big Finish um, So without further ado I'm just going to bring Andrew Max, um. Welcome to another um, Sci- Sci-Fi Pulse interview. Uh, with us this week we have uh, Andrew Mark Sou, um, who's the creative executive producer over at B7 Media. We've been doing some great stuff with Dan Dare, haven't we? Uh, hi Andrew, welcome to the show.
1: Hi Ian, it's a pleasure to be here, thank you very much.
0: Well thanks for coming, It's been, you know, it's great having you on. Um, the first question I got for you, Ring, is I, I actually read from your website that you you, you, you kind of started with the BBC News, with them for quite a long time. What what did you do for them?
1: Oh goodness, um, that's that's probably quite a long answer. Uh, yeah, I did start at the BBC way back in the the eighties um, and started off as as everybody does in 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 the business as as a as a runner. Um, but because, well, actually before then I started off with what was called a public liaison clerk in uh, BBC Radio continue education so I used to uh, all the, the educational programs when people wrote in for the supporting notes I used to uh, send them out so I was a glorified postman but that gave me a taste for radio if you like mm-hmm. and, uh, and then I went into TV and program finance and then got into production um, and then slowly crawled my way up the, uh, the slippery pole uh, having left the BBC a couple of times, I went back, and then uh, I, my last job there was creative director at BBC Worldwide, which is the, the commercial arm of the BBC. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've held quite a, 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 a wide and varied selection of roles there.
0: our, our sounds very fast-paced and stressful. <laughs>
1: um, well, it didn't feel very fast-paced at the time, cause I think overall, I think, uh, at the BBC, I was there for about 15 years off and on. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a... The wonderful thing about the BBC was that you get in, you, you got in there at an early age. Um, it was a, a fantastic training ground for the industry, and uh, it doesn't really exist now in the same way. Um, you, you could have a, you could do what was called attachments. So you, you might be working in one department, one division of the BBC, and you could get an attachment into another, um, and that gave you the chance to sort of broaden and develop your skill set that gave you another gave you other opportunity. so it's so i have a i have a, uh, a a lot of fondness for my time at the bbc but mm-hmm. i think i prefer being freelance now yeah a so bit, bit, bit 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 older wiser and longer in the tooth or, or whatever
0: mm-hmm. so it was like an ongoing apprenticeship you had there
1: <laughs> yeah i think that's probably the best way of putting it yeah mm-hmm. well they say they say life is a continual uh, Education and certainly working at the BBC was certainly certainly an education, but a very valuable one. It equipped me to to be, um, I think, a a half decent producer and director that I uh, that I am now, allegedly. Cool.
0: How how did how did you go from that to uh, to forming B Seven Media? Well, B Seven kind of came out of. I mean, I was I was at uh, BBC Worldwide at the time, and we uh, I was. I was looking to get getting back into more active production, and so the first project that came along that we uh, were looking to develop was Blake Seven, which we managed to negotiate the uh, underlying rights with the nation state. And uh, but to do that,
1: I had to leave the BBC because it would have been a conflict of interest to be having my role there and and doing that. So um, so I decided to uh, with my then partner at the time Simon Moorhead. Who's produced things like, uh, Mirror Mask, uh, Dave McKee feature film, and, uh, most recently, Luna, mm-hmm. um, and various other, other things. But Simon and I had known each other from way back in the days of drama when he was a location manager and I was a, uh, a finance clerk. Um, and uh, so we set up b seven we were trying to think of a name, so we thought well, these are the first rights it's Blake Seven, let's call ourselves b seven and that's how b seven was was born. but what we wanted to do was 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 do original um original drama for different platforms and,
0: uh, and as I say Blake seven was our was our first project that we uh, uh started off with mm-hmm. did did you guys have any input into uh, the the big finish blake seven range by any chance?
1: Uh, yeah, no, very definitely. Um, so, the, the first thing we did um, with Blake 7, we got very frustrated because the TV deal wasn't uh, happening and we had various development deals going on and, and I, we, we just decided we wanted to do something with, with Blake 7. So, given we both love radio, uh, that's when we did the uh, the remake of Blake 7 where we had a, a totally new cast. Um, the logic being, there, being that, even though it was, uh, it was radio, uh, the characters are meant to be in their 20s um, or early 30s, and we wanted to just tackle the show from a totally fresh perspective, and we decided to go with a totally new cast, so Blake, uh, um, Rog Blake was played by David Rydell, and Avon by, by uh, Colin Salmon, and Servaland uh, by Daniela, uh, Daniela Nardini uh, from, from This Life, um, and that. Uh, although the hardcore Blake 7 fans were a bit upset with us for doing that, um, it did find a huge audience, and it did get uh, a lot of really nice um, reviews, and, and uh, certainly it acted as a, a great way to talk to the TV execs in terms of why we thought Blake 7 would work well as a, as a remade TV show. Um but then we, we we kind of done that for a while, and we were then very very deep in the, the TV development with Sky, um, and then with the Sci Fi Channel. And Jason, who runs uh, Big Finish, and I have known each other for a very long time, and he's want, he'd wanted to do Blake Seven, but using uh, the original cast, or at least the surviving members of the original cast. And so we then licensed those rights to Big Finish to do that and I mean art, in terms of our involvement it was a case of approving the storylines and uh, but we very much then let Big Finish go off and, and make them and uh, and then they did a splendid job and so you, you got the best of both worlds you got a, a new Blake 7 with a new cast and you got the old Blake 7 with the original cast mm-hmm. but still no TV show <laughs> unfortunately no um, and well, you know maybe one day it will happen I mean we, we've, we've stepped away from it now we've got uh a um, fish to fry, as they say. Uh, we have a project, so there comes a point that after three development deals uh, with different broadcasters, and it not happening, it's, you, you pass the uh, the torture to someone else to try and do it. Um, I mean, why didn't it happen? I mean, uh, Sky very nearly happened, but the director of programmes who was at the point of commissioning uh, left uh, the broadcaster and was replaced by someone who didn't like sci-fi. And um, know there's yeah various other various other tales. Maybe one day we'll write a book about the development hell of Blake Seven.
0: That that that'd be an interesting read actually. It'd
1: um, be a sobering read if nothing else. Mm, yes, I
0: mean I've got to admit I got really really worried when when sci-fi um, was 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 developing it. So I kind of,
1: really? Why why was
0: that? And um, I I I don't know really. It's kind of like. Um, it, you know, with, with it being with it being um, an American sort of thing, and with Blake Seven being so British, I kind of thought it might take the edginess away from the story because, you know, Blake Seven was sort of like uh, pretty damn dark and gritty for the time it was made.
1: Yeah, um, well, I mean, obviously, I I've uh, I was very involved in all those developments. Um, I mean, the Sky one was was the, the pilot scripts were written by. Uh, Richard Curti and Bev Doyle who we've gone on to do uh, other stuff with including Dan Depp Um, and uh, but the uh, the sci-fi development which was done in a partnership with Georgeville um, that uh, are currently making Sense8 Um, you had Martin Campbell as the as an exec producer as well and as the uh, he was attached as a series producer and the scripts were stunning I mean they they really did Capture the um, uh, the spirit of the original and and made and and really sort of upped the ante and made it a very um, a show that would work very well today. It's a great great shame it didn't happen. Uh, it was a very expensive show to make so though. That's, that's certainly a consideration. And sci-fi, uh, without sort of telling tales. They certainly creatively wanted to go down a direction that Martin Campbell and, and us were not happy with, so um, it kind of uh, derailed because of that.
0: Yeah, that figures. <laughs> um, um, but I, I, I won't, I won't make you go down the uh, <laughs> down the down. No, please, don't, please, please don't. I'll have nightmares tonight. otherwise. <laughs> down the younger, bit Road, any further than that. Um, I mean, the thing is, with, with sci-fi, they can even make you know something really good, like um, you know. Like what they did with Battlestar and that's a lot of people enjoy because they made it edgy and gritty. Um, yeah, and, they,
1: and they, they, they didn't lose sense of what the original show was, but they made a very, um, a very compelling piece of drama that, that would work for a modern audience. But mm. yeah, no, I agree.
0: But I, I, I'm still very much in love with the uh, the old uh, the old classic series where it's familiar and a bit cheesy and carny. I kind of like that.
1: I, I have to say I agree with you as well. I have <laughs> I have great great memories of sat watching uh, the original Battlestar Galactica for all for all its faults. I think at the time when it went out, it was wasn't it promoted as being the most expensive science fiction series that had been produced to date, a TV science fiction series that had been produced to date, I think it was.
0: Yeah, it was, and ironically, it was actually more popular here in the UK and more popular in France and Europe than it was in the States.
1: Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, the spin-off they did, what was it called, Galactica 80? Was that it? Battlestar Galactica
0: 1980. Yeah,
1: yeah, best best, best sort of discreet line drawn under that one, I think.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Um... As someone that's worked in radio and audio, what would you say is the power that audio drama has, which more visual drama perhaps does not? Um, yeah,
1: it's a good question. I mean, radio, you're, you're, you are li- quite, as the listener, um, and also as the, as the, as the programme maker, you're limited only by uh, your imagination. So you can quite literally make 150 million movie for a fraction of the cost and I think that, I mean, I mean, a lot of what Big Finish does is, is very similar to in terms of, of what we're doing as well. We, we, we <coughs> certainly work with some of the, the same people. So, for example, Alistair Locke, um, sound designer, is a brilliant um, talent for realising and bringing to life um, the imagination of the writers for audio and to stimulate the audience's imagination. Um, and you can, with radio... You can explore dramatically uh, so much, Um, and it's it's just yeah, it's 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 a it's a it's a just a very compelling medium that I've I've always loved, and I suppose my biggest inspiration in terms of why why do I work in audio as well as. Working in film and, and TV but, but I, I always come back to radio at some point it Is because of the work of Dirt Max who you know created these incredible audio movies from you know Independence Day uh, London and Uh, Spider-Man no, did he do Spider-Man? He's Superman and Batman and then obviously most recently what he's been doing with with Aliens and he um, very nicely except produced our dramatisation of Ray Bradbury's The Martian Chronicles so he and I come from that same school of making audio drama epic sounding and immersive Um, uh, but 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 also naturalistic. We
0: try to, to, to try to make it to find a, a truth in the way that the drama plays out. Mm-hmm. One, one of the things that I've really enjoyed, um, in, and this is something I've enjoyed in Big Finish and again in your Dan Death series, is, mm-hmm. is is the use of character beats. You yeah. often find in in modern television, they're uh, in so much of a rush to get the story over and done with. Doctor Who is guilty of this. But they wish through the story and there's barely any time for, for decent character beats.
1: Yeah. Um, no, I I completely agree with you. I mean that's I mean that is you know, is in many ways radio is all about character because it's you know, to sell the story and to engage that audience. The audience has got to believe in the characters that are part of that story. And if you don't make those characters three dimensional and compelling and um, you, 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 you're going to lose you're going to lose the sense of the, of the drama and you're going to lose your audience. So yes, I mean the character, the, the character, I mean, if you look at Dan Dare, for example, I mean, it's all about the very real people in an extraordinary situation, but they are, but they're relatable. And if you create characters that are relatable, uh, that you sat in your living room Listening to that drama And go, oh, I could yeah, I could see that person Meeting that person And talking to that person and But they were immersed into this extraordinary story And I think that's one of the beauties of radio mm-hmm.
0: What was it about Dan Dare That made you feel it would be a good fit For, a, for, for audio?
1: Um, goodness I suppose it goes back um, Well, it goes back initially to my father Who introduced me to The Eagle comics and, and the Dan Dare strips and he used to love them as a as a kid himself. Because obviously, I'm not that old, um, and I love the I love the artwork of, uh, of Frank Hampson. I just love the sense of wonder, uh, and adventure, and exploration. And having done Blake Seven on audio, which is another big sci-fi epic that you have to realise, um, I have a real affinity with that that particular genre. And also, 25 years or so before. Uh, Glenn Dearman who's a veteran radio producer, director of the BBC did uh, a dramatisation of, of Dan Dare's Voyage to Venus and they, they had they had planned to do more and I was a, a, a young uh, ambitious lad at the BBC um, and I knew my Dan Dare even back then and we did have a conversation with Glenn, a, a very crazy dinner one night where we talked about the possibilities of doing another series of Dan Dare and me and a, a, another writer Duncan McAlpine is very well known for his his comic book collection and his knowledge of comics and, and is also an experienced, now a very experienced uh, uh, filmmaker or, or TV documentary maker and uh, we very nearly ended up working on it then so for 25 years I've had this idea of doing Dan but doing it properly um, and it's I think it's only because of what we've done in the last 10 years in terms of our audio dramas, Blake Seven and uh, Martian Chronicles and, and iRobot most recently that like I thought yes I know how to do there, and actually I felt I knew how to do it in a way that would make it relevant to an audience today um so that, that, that was our starting point
0: cool so you know it's been been somewhat of a somewhat of a, a nice long dream of yours to just do it yeah I suppose it has really I mean um
1: and also I think that there's, it just felt the right sort of time. So we started developing this about 18 months ago. We had the first writer's room where we started to kick around the ideas on how we wanted to approach it. Um, after having secured the, the, the rights, of course. And um, if you think back to when Dan Dare was originally created and, and launched, which was in the 19, well, 1915, the original Eagle comic. Um, you know, it was a it was a time of uncertainty. It was in you know, it was post war. There was there was austerity. There was there was still rationing in place. You know, people people were in need of some hope and um, uh, you know that, that sense of wonder that and a sort of moral compass that damned Day represented mm-hmm. was was a great antidote.
0: So but, you know, but,
1: um yeah, sorry,
0: basing a character that's going to do the right thing and politics be damned.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, he was, I mean, he was, you know he was daring and he was romantic and the, the romance of space and the exploration of space and the, and, and you know the wonder of what whether there were the worlds and civilizations that existed beyond our, our solar system um you know that sort of courage and idealism and, and as I say that spirit of adventure that that personified down there and if you think now where we are. You know, we're, we're we're again in an era of uncertainty with Brexit and you know Trump becoming the president and this. And I can't remember a time where that sense of of um, uh, Armageddon seems to be at the forefront of my mind in a, uh, with with what's going on in the world and, and the sort of fragility that we seem to to live in in terms of the politics and the um, and, and so forth. So I I think you know time for Dan Dare representing a uh, you know, a brave new world and a,
0: a, a sense of hope is is uh, as, as an antidote to to these uh, uncertain times. Is is, is good timing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's funny actually because uh, in in a sense you actually answered the next question that I was going to segue into, which was: oh, uh, sorry. <laughs> do, do, do you think the geopolitical situation in the world has actually you know made made the character more relevant? Which you know, which it has, as you say.
1: Yeah, I think yeah. he's he, as relevant. I mean, obviously we've had to move the character on so that he's relatable to an audience today. But you know, one of, for instance, one of the things we brought into our Dan Dare was uh, a representation which is actually happening now, which is a corporization of space. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not so much the government's funding space as corporates getting involved in funding space and that, and that you know, we've made the Eagle Corporation a, a corporate entity. Um, which I think was a nice touch of the writers to actually do that and I think that brings, you know, where you've got SpaceX and you've got uh, Branson's Virgin, uh, Virgin uh, Space uh, initiatives, I mean there's lots of, there's lots of stuff going on I think the future of space exploration is going to be, you know, yes there's going to be government money but there's also going to be an awful lot of corporate money involved in in, uh, sorry that was my email's pinging email. now, I need to close that down, um so there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of, uh, as I said, there's a lot of corporate involvement in it.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, how, how do you guys go about casting? Was was that pretty challenging, trying to find the right voices for the roles?
1: Casting is always challenging. doesn't matter what you're doing, whether it's television or film, radio. Radio probably um, is one of the most challenging because... All you've got as the actor to, to sell that character, make that character come alive and, and believable, is your voice. Um, and there are some actors that, that can't do radio. I mean, they might be brilliant film actors or television actors or even theatre actors, but they can't do radio. So you have to be very mindful of that when you're casting. I Certainly when we were writing the scripts, I actually had quite a clear idea for some of the some of the characters who I was going I wanted to cast. So, for example, uh, Sir Huber, uh, Dan Dare's boss, I always had Michael Cochrane in my mind in terms of I thought he would be a perfect Sir Huber. Um But Dan Dare, we, we we started with casting Dan Dare because once you cast the actor in the role of Dan Dare then the other actors, you're, you're casting against type, so you've got one distinct voice for Dan Dare, and then you've got to have counterpoints to, to that. Um, mm-hmm. And we, we were very lucky. I had a, a superb casting director that we worked with, a guy called Matt Weston, who most of the time casts uh, film. Uh, but he and I have known each other a very long time, so he, he, he tends to cast or certainly help me cast uh, our radio dramas. But sometimes I also have very clear ideas myself as to who I want, and then it's a question of whether their availability works for um, for when we're going to be in the studio recording.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I've got, to, I've got to say, I mean, the uh, the, the voice cast is, um, you know, absolutely awesome.
1: Thank you. Yes, yeah. I think we had a, a what I describe a uh, a magic alchemy in terms of uh, it all came together really well.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, the last that story that, that was on Volume 2 saw Dan there learn that the authorities on Earth had known about aliens for over a century. Uh, yes. Will we we'll be seeing any blowback from that in future stories, do you think?
1: Oh, I think we can safely say we will, yes. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we've certainly mapped out a, a lot more uh, in terms of other stories we want to tell. Um, I mean, the, it, it's probably also fair to say that a lot of the stories in the original, in, in our DandA audio series, are inspired. Whilst they're inspired by the comic books, they are actually original stories. So, if you like the basic wireframe of, of uh, the Voyage to Venus, is there? But the, the way in which Richard Curti and Ben realised it mm-hmm. is, is 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 original. Is original to them. Um, and, and now that we've set, you know, we've got the, the the Dan Dare family well and truly working very well, and that team, um, you know, uh, have have really really shining, if you like. Um, yeah, there's there's many more adventures to uh, to happen, provided uh, the uh, these you know first two volumes are um, are successful with the listeners. Because um, we still have to fund it somehow.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's all, that's always going to be the problem. You know, I I actually have that problem. You know, funding a website and a podcast. Yeah, and <laughs> so well, that's small price yeah. So, so
1: mag- magnify the problems that you have with that. with trying to fund uh, <laughs> a, an ongoing radio radio or TV series.
0: Yeah, I, I don't even want to imagine it. <laughs> Cause, you know, because I, I kind of like uh, I kind of like worry. Oh, where am I going to find two hundred pound every six months?
1: <laughs> which is yeah. like small fries. Uh, I'd like, that I, I, I kind of like that problem. I can, <laughs> it's, all, it's all relative <laughs> at the end of the
0: day. Yeah, it's no, all you know, I think, you know, t- in terms of the, in terms of the, uh, you know, if you're running a website, you just got to want to carry on doing it and, um, and, and you, you find the money from somewhere, you kind of like rob Peter to pay Paul. <laughs> well,
1: I, I do a lot of indie films and, and trust me, indie films don't tend to make very much money unless if you, you, you really luck out and you've got a stunning film and it, and it, it goes, becomes a, a global hit. Um, you do a lot of this stuff because it's a passion. And you, i have a passion for telling stories so it doesn't matter what genre it is if i'm engaged with that story and i have uh I just you know i have a group of people that want to work with me to to try and realize it that's what drives us at the end of the day
0: mm-hmm. um in your master and story you introduced um, the character of cadet for um and i really liked him he was kind of like a um... He struck me as a younger version of, of, of Dan Dare, only sort of like a lot more aware of technology and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I'm just wondering if we're going to see him back. Yeah, I think he's more he's more of a, a geek version of Dan Dare. Mm. Um, we had actually introduced Flamer in uh, the second episode, the first volume in uh, Red
1: Moon Mystery. So the very young uh, cadet at the beginning who's quizzing Dan there, when he's trying to do the, the sort of PR spin to the various schools as a hologram, he recognises that he's a hologram, and that was actually played by my uh, my eldest son, Ryan, as it happens. Nothing, nothing, nothing like a, a, a bit of uh, nepotism and casting. Um, and uh, but Noof plays the older version. And yes, in answer to impression, the, the, the Flamer would, would reappear. What's quite interesting about Flamer Spry as a, as a, or Cadet Flamer Spry as a character is that a lot of people found him quite annoying in the original comic strips. So it's nice to know that you didn't find him annoying.
0: I, I, I didn't actually, but I think that's because... Um... You know, um, like many, I tolerated Wesley Crusher all the way through Star Trek, the next generation, so yeah. in comparison to that, Cadet Flame is a nightweight. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Yeah. Yes. Crush, uh, yeah, I forgot about
1: Crush, yeah. could be quite, uh, quite irritating.
0: Well, it was just irritating because he saved the ship every week.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a smart ass, wasn't
0: it? Oh, hi, yeah. <laughs> um... um. You know that that was a. I just thought he, he was just a really really good character, and I kind of liked the way the way that he was sort of like um, he kind of has that persona about about him that all young men have. You know, in that they know it all. <laughs> yeah, but he, he
1: he it's it was his it's his enthusiasm
0: and his thirst for knowledge. He just gets a bit carried away with it. Yeah, that that's that's exactly what I liked. Um, Aside from Dare, what other projects are B7 working on that you you could maybe talk talk to us about?
1: Oh, goodness. Um, Well, we're hoping to do more, as enough. Um, We did iRobot at the beginning of the year for for Radio 4, Um, and that went down very well. It was very popular. Um, and And we talk about taking creative liberties. I mean, we took quite a few of that, but I still stand by that being in terms of a dramatization of the original novel. I don't know of a dramatization that has been done that is as true to the original novel. But what was extraordinary about that was um, in reading the book that Isaac Asimov originally wrote back in the 1940s, uh, 1950s, um, what he wrote was incredibly f- prophetic. So a lot of what we were writing about was his predictions, and his predictions were very much now. Um, some of his predictions were a bit outlandish, but I love Asnoth's work. And I love, you know, so we've worked a lot with doing Asnoth and um, Ray Bradbury's work as well. Um, and then something completely different. We're, we're working at the moment on a TV series, um, which will hopefully happen, which is set before the outbreak of the Second World War, um, a romantic series. We call it a romantic version of called the Midwife. But uh, to t- tell you any more, we be giving the game away. But that's, that's a particular project I'm very excited about. And then we've got a, um, uh, what I call my uh, Sword and Sandals epic radio. Cool. So uh, that's, that's, uh, that's something else entirely different, not, not sci-fi at all, so, uh, but based on uh, some well-known historical text.
0: So some, something kind of similar to Ben-Hur.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, I, I kind of describe it as Gladiator meets Westbrook. There you go.
0: Ooh, that's that sounds intriguing <laughs> you know so sort of like um, you know I'm trying to imagine uh, the gladiator mixed up with the West Wing now in the hair
1: <laughs> right. yeah so some of my writers, when I told them that that was how we we're actually going to approach it, but uh, we've we've, we've deli- delivered the pilot script now, and we've, we've delivered the series bible, so we're just waiting for uh, to know whether we're going to be commissioned. But uh, it's lo- it's looking promising. But yeah, so th- so I mean, th- again, this is what I love about what we do: the, the variety of the stories that we can tell and the the, 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 uh, the settings and genre is uh, is is wonderful.
0: Um. Aside from uh, Ray Bradbury's Martian Chronicles and, and the stuff that you've been doing with Asimov, uh, are there any other classic science fiction writers that you'd love to adapt?
1: Oh, I suppose, yeah. Um, Arthur C. Clarke. I'd love to, I'd love to do the, the, his version of 2001, uh, but that's all tied up in, uh, in a bit of a codmo of rights. Um, I'd love to do Dune, but uh, I see that uh, legendary films are, are about to do do mm-hmm. I think it's a new film, which which hopefully this time they get it right. Well, David Lynch's version was uh, was was interesting but quite flawed. But I also think radio lends itself brilliantly to doing things like Doom or Two Thousand and One. So uh, those, those 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 are a few.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean the Doom. You know, the the uh, the sound sound of desert winds and and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, I think, I think, because Frank Herbert was such a wonderful world builder, uh, there's this, such wonderful characters, there's a wonderful, it's great political intrigue, it's, uh, you know, there's a, a real operatic quality to the storytelling, which uh, would lend itself brilliantly to being adapted for, for radio, but uh, as I say at the moment, Legendary, whilst Legendary are doing what they're doing, I know that's not going to be an option, but... Uh, um, if uh, things change, that would certainly be probably at the top of my list of projects I'd like to do.
0: Well, you know, thanks so much for your time and best of luck with uh, Dan Dare and all, all, all these other projects. Uh, I hope that, they, they, that, that, you, that you manage to actually make, make, uh, make a lot of them happen.
1: Well thank you Ian. It's been a pleasure pleasure chatting to you. I hope I haven't uh, babble away too much.
0: Oh no, I've really enjoyed it. It's been it's been, been brilliant. Great stuff.
1: Alright, well good, good up with sci-fi Pulse Keep going. Here at SFP now. I think we're pretty sure we um got our priorities straight.
0: That was our interview with Andrew Mark Su. hope you enjoyed it, um, and I hope there's a, a lot of Dan, Dan Dare fans out there listening. Um, I really enjoyed speaking with Andrew, you know, because I, I've got an appreciation of hope and, and stuff like that, as does um, my co-host for the TV segment, Raisa. How are you doing? I'm doing fine,
2: thanks.
0: Okay. Well, um, did you enjoy, you enjoyed the Dan Dare series, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yes,
2: um, the uh, I'm, I'm new to the Dan Dare series, I came into it, um, as, as with uh, uh, Terrahawks, I came into Dan Dare Cold, and it was thematically and tonally exactly what I was looking for, and I absolutely loved it. And they, between the two series that are that are that exist so far, they've taken the characters in some really interesting
0: directions. It's quite funny because I was actually chatting with An- Andrew briefly before we actually recorded the interview, and we were swapping notes. And um, he, he's only he's only a few years older than me, so he actually remembers uh, when the BBC would show uh, the Flash Garden movie serials in the in in the morning um, d- during the summer holidays. Um, because I had fond memories of. Uh, my brother you know getting me up out of bed in the morning about something like 7am which is you know I wouldn't dream of getting up out of bed at that, that, that hour for Nash Garden These days Because you know We've got VCRs And stuff like that But we didn't have it Back then <laughs> um, So um, But I, I just remember Watching Watching those and, and, and stuff like that And that, that was my First exposure To Pult And uh, and I, I chatted With An- Andrew Briefly about that And um, you know We, we, we really I, I think we had A really good conversation um, So let's get back On to uh, the subject at hand TV talk And um, we've had um, Once Season finale so far, which is Once Upon a Time. Yes,
2: and um, I'm going to be- keep this brief because it would take up the entire podcast, but I'm not happy. I've sat through six seasons of Once Upon a Time. Uh, the show should have ended with the um, mid-season finale two and a half years ago, called "Going Home." At the end of it, Rumpelstiltskin actually died heroically, saving everyone, and then they brought him back. And then everything after that has not made any sense at all. And uh, and and then on top of that, they recycled. They kept they kept recycling plot elements so that they were telling versions of the same stories over and over again. And so, and the effect was that it was repetitive, and the characters didn't get to benefit from their own character growth because I kept getting regressed and it just it was it was not good
0: it was Mm. not good i'm i'm inclined to to agree to a point uh i mean you know i thought season three was a lot of fun because you had the frozen sort of thing yeah that
2: that. that was season four but yeah see the frozen wasn't too the frozen wasn't too bad in fact they actually got a reindeer you know into play spend was a, a, a added point but
0: yeah yeah, but I think, I think the mistake that they probably made is they, they, they could have, they could have tethered off, you know, at a point when Rumpel heroically dies, they could have, could have tethered off and gone in a completely different direction and just brought in a whole different set of fairy tale characters in, um, to be the main cast instead of sort of like having them come in, 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 in you know, in sort of like cameo roles or, you know, like we had that whole thing with that, that Scottish character, what was, what's she called now? The, uh, the brave. Merida, like Merida. You know, yeah. they, they, they could could have done something done, done something with that, and I could have done something with 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 an adding as a post song. You know, tra- trying to mash it all together. Yeah, yeah.
2: You know? Or or Nemo for that matter, because I got to say, Ferhan Tahir did an absolutely brilliant job as Nemo. I had issues with the script, but I did
0: not have issues with him. Well, well, Fer- Ferhan Tahir is an awesome an awesome actor. Anyway, I mean, we've we've actually had him on this podcast, believe it or not. Oh yes,
2: yes. I remember.
0: Um, you know, the only reason I I mentioned that I was actually I was actually going through through our back catalogue today, um, and, you know, since we moved this move things back over To Libsyn From From a uh, Blog talk radio um, Believe it or not We we did that in May of 2013 mm. And it It's just It's just Flew by Oh wow uh, It's just It's just flown by um, But you know one, Once upon a time I felt Tonight was You know This this was the finale Um That just Tagged a bit on the end And a bit at the beginning To sort of like Try and try and try And sort of make it seem like It's doing something different Than next season And you know To be honest I, I'm not buying it no. um, I'm, no. I'm, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely with you here I'm absolutely not buying it because the, the, way, the way that it ended Was, was great yeah. You know they, 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 All the characters You know Had their happy ever afters They even had the music beats And, and, and they, they they had overlong Happily ever afters Almost as if They weren't expecting To be picked up For another season yeah. Yeah. And to be honest um, In night of time after time Being cancelled I don't think They deserve to be picked up For another season No No, <laughs> no. Um, Because it's It's mocking it's blocking other potential shows and, and, and stuff like that um with, with that space. Although so they'd argue that, you know, before Once Upon a Time came along, uh the Sunday night spot wasn't really a very good space for a primetime show. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well,
0: you know, there's plenty of fairy tales for them to mine. Yeah, know, they, they they could do they, they could do a, a long form version of Little Red Riding Hood or, or, or something like that. Yes, yeah. Or or, or a fairy tale anthology series. Which would have probably been better. But probably would Or they could sort of like bring the entire cast of <laughs> Tem Kingdom back and make that. <laughs> <laughs> that would be
2: good,
0: actually. Yeah, that, that would be awesome because at least that you know that that, that for a mini series I don't know if they're planning to do a series of it, but you know that that was so well made, really well acted, well written, and um, you know it, you know if you watch that and you watch an episode of ta- of, um, of Once Upon a Time after it, it really shows up the flaws in Once Upon a Time when you watch Tem Kingdom. It does. It does. Really does. Um, um, so, season seven, and we've already sort of like heard about various uh, cast members leaving, such as Belle.
2: Yeah, the, the only regulars who are staying are uh, Robert Carlyle as Rumpelstiltskin, Lana Perea as Regina, and Colin O'Donohue as Hook. So that's it? That's it. So everybody else, everybody, everybody else, if they come back, is going to be recurring our guest.
0: Wow! So it's basically um, if it if it hasn't tanked already in ratings this year, it's really going to tank in ratings next year. It's yeah, you know, yeah. So it, But you know, something like um, Nana Pereria, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, glad, I'm glad she's coming back. You know, if I if I decide to watch it next year, which I, I don't know whether I will. <laughs> I, nice. I, I might, I might,
2: in the event they have you know an extra special guest actor or or a standalone storyline that I want to see, but I doubt I'm going I watch it
0: week to week. After this, I'm actually surprised. I'm actually surprised. Carlisle's coming back. He's he's got
2: issues. Um, Brexit is going to screw is going to screw with his funding, and he's trying to open a uh, he's trying to get a a production shingle put together. Plus, he's got three kids to support, and uh, he frankly just needs the money.
0: Brexit's going to mess with his work. His funding for yeah. what? Uh, Brexit
2: uh, Brexit provides um, the EU provided a certain amount of funding for indie film product I- indie film products in the EU. So when Brexit goes through. Um, Britain is going to lose the EU funding for their indie films and stuff
0: mm, that and,
2: and, and given and given that so many productions are co-productions with multiple sources of funding they really can't afford to so Carlisle given he's very indie film oriented and that he wants to open his own uh, shingle in addition to the fact that he's got three kids to support, really can't
0: uh, be turning down, you know, once upon a time salary at this point. He's got issues. Mm. Yeah, this, this Brexit stuff's really messing things up for for, for, for everyone. Uh, mm. I mean, it, it's it's really, it's really really strange because the uh, the the, the, the Brett's tears, as it are, are really really optimistic about we're going to have a great country and this this and that. And, oh, you know, that that's not what I'm seeing. No, no, <laughs> you know.
2: it's not it's not what I'm seeing from over here. And I'm over
0: here, so because yeah, just, you know, without, without the EU, you know, you can kiss goodbye to the British film industry. Basically, you know, it's, it's um, such as it is anyway, because it's like um, it's not it's not being in great shape um, at all. But you know, a lot of these productions, like for weddings and, and stuff like that, you can kiss that sort of stuff goodbye. Yeah, I mean,
2: and the only reason we have Doctor Who, which we'll be discussing, is because it is a BBC Worldwide, BBC America
0: co-production. So yeah, and. Uh, uh, that's the only reason that um Doctor Who has so much running in it of late and um, and faster than a night's faster than a speeding in storing lines. Yeah. in um, yeah. you know to like send it to the American uh, public. Whereas um, um I'm old school and I preferred the old format. I did I do too. You no, know, with the with, with with the with the slower building storylines, um, where where you got time to enjoy more character beats. Yeah. Um so we might go back to that in cardboard sets, um, <laughs> if if you has anything to do with it. But, uh-huh. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so, what um, once upon a time, kind of a big thumbs down, ring Yeah, yeah.
2: Like I said, if they, I might, I might watch, I might watch bits and pieces of it in passing, depending on various elements. But I'm
0: not going to watch it week to week anymore. Mm. I don't have enough time or energy at this point. Okay, well, um, nice little segue to timeless. Cancelled, <laughs> Uncancelled Yes. Yeah, it's uh, almost, and, and as it's almost as if NBC and the producers of the TV show invented a time machine and went <laughs> back in time and uncancelled the show. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
2: Uh, and there, there are two points to bring up. One, thank you for uncanceling it. But just as, just as a, a side note, the, the, the Constantine fans are getting on NBC's case for not doing the same for Constantine. Just FYI.
0: Yeah, I know, um, but that was three years ago. Yeah, you know that that that, that was three years ago. I wouldn't mind if they just cancelled Constantine and renewed Timeless and and are both the same year sort of thing. But Constantine was three years ago to be fair. Yeah. you know, if it had any chance of coming back, it would have come back that year. Yeah, I mean, not 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 not, not I'm not that I'm berating the fans for wanting it because I'd 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 rather have Constantine back in one than than time, timeless, to be honest. Yeah, I, me too. But I also enjoy Timeless. So yes. Yeah. It's it was time and a kind of like prize. Um, it's, it's interesting as well because the uh, you know I think another thing that time has had going for it was the um, was, was was the fact that it was Eric Kripke and uh, yes. and Sean what's his name now Sean Ryan Ryan Sean Ryan yeah, yeah. Um, both those producers have quite a large fan following mm-hmm. uh, Kripke for Supernatural and 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 Ryan for for the various things that he's done yeah
2: there's there are some caveats um, they're only bankrolling t- Ten episodes, and they'll probably get, they'll probably either air it mid season or summer.
0: Well, you know, if they air it in mid season, um, I'd rather it air in the summer. I think.
2: Yeah, it's it's more of a summer series. Frankly, I don't care how many episodes we get, provided they just don't end on a cliffhanger. It, but that was just rude And you know At, at least this way They can
0: finish it out Because they know They have 10 episodes coming They can pace it In such a way That they can finish it I mean, What they could do <laughs> Is they could pace it In such a way That they finish it On episode 9 And have a stand alone Adventure on episode 10 That's a thought You know That's a thought. And, and That that, that way they, they finish out one arc And they, they just have A stand alone episode In episode 10 Whereas you know If it gets cancelled We won't mind Because it's a standalone stand alone Adventure If it doesn't get cancelled It's like it, it kind of Leaves the door open Open for them to come back. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I think and, if, and if
2: they if they do come back, they'll just keep doing ten episodes because I because I, I doubt they can bankroll a whole season, a whole twenty two episode season because that was the problem. They had to create these all these time periods, mm. you know, every week, and they literally just didn't have the money relative to the ratings.
0: I think another problem was um, also the time it was actually being shown. It was being shown at ten p.m., wasn't it? Yeah,
2: and and they. And they meant it as a family show. And they said that that season. They said that uh, the demo, the demo research that they had done, showed that it was a family show. And that they plan to keep it that same tone uh, for season
0: two. And uh, okay, well, it you know it certainly, certainly feels like a family show when you watch it, and it works like that as well. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I, I'm I'm glad it's being given a second chance. Um, you know, hopefully Constantine will get a second chance and, and join the uh, legends of tomorrow in that series. That would be awesome. In in which uh, if that happens, Jeff can go on about how they how they completely and utterly ruined Constantine. <laughs> i <laughs> You know, um, yeah. Of course for our yeah. listeners here we're talking about uh you know Jeff Jeff over at uh, Super Geeked Up, um he yeah. does the DC action hour with uh with Mats. Um he's always uh, berating uh, Legends of Tomorrow and blaming it for ruining the really good characters from Arrow and Flash and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> um so you'll give some you'll give Jeff something else to complain about. Yes, and well. and I'm all for that because I just love teasing the guy. <laughs> <laughs> For <laughs> you know, I mean, that, is is that Constantine series still happening on Seed? Yeah, um, it is,
2: it is. It'll it'll be airing later this year sometime.
0: Cool. Well, I'll I'll be keeping my eye out for that. Um, yeah. we still not got uh, we still not got uh, Vic, the Vixen series here in the UK. Um, Although we're,
2: they're they've talked about expanding the Vixen series that was aired by adding an additional fifteen minutes for transitional material and then marketing it as a straight to DVD um, DC movie. Which I'm, which
0: I'm all for. Well, well, I'm all for it because that, that means yeah. those guys in the UK that haven't been able to get it without torrenting it, um, yeah, will we'll have, we'll have a chance to see it. Huh? Yes, yeah. Um, although it's a different vixen to the one that's in the Legends, right?
2: Yeah, Legends Legends features her grandmother, um, who was a member of the JSA, and she's awesome. I, I like both vixens very much. Um, the the vixen that we get originally, the one that appeared on Arrow. Is the granddaughter Mari McCabe. Mm-hmm. And she's uh, the grandmother, Amaya, is not a canon character. She was invented for the CWDCU universe and Legends um, because Megalyn E.K., who plays Mari McCabe, wasn't available and they, wa- they really wanted Vixen on Legends. Um, but um, Mari McCabe was played by Megalyn E.K. Is featured in the in the animated universe when she has time, and she's done one screen appearance on Arrow to mm. tie it in in live action,
0: yeah. and she was very enjoyable. Yeah, that was the uh, that was the one in season three, was it? Four, four. four. Yeah, season yeah, she, four. She helped him. She helped him come up with a way of fighting uh, Damian
2: Dark. Damien Dark. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. So like, um, I, I vaguely remember that season. It's, it's very vague. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so um, we've done timeless now it's time for uh, Doctor Who yes I think uh, this was
2: the best episode of the season so far and, and one of Capaldi's best in general uh,
0: it's called um, Oxygen yeah I think um, I think they um, I think Dominic will agree with you there you know he, he reviewed it and um, he, he's just started getting a bit of feedback on his reviews from, from, from other people mm. um, so you know he, he's getting you know his, his reviews are getting out there and he, you know he got a nice uh you got a nice comment from, from a lady That was talking about um, The blindness element And the And the socio-political uh, Comment um, that, that was made In the show About capitalism Yes Yes um, But it's going to lead in And we're going to have A bit of Missy next week
2: Yes Which means she's not The one in the vault Which means the master In the vault Is the Sim regeneration
0: mm-hmm. so. Yeah I don't think It's just the master though That's an idea I've got a feeling Kanara might be in there as well mm. Like in your post It's just It's just a good feeling Yeah
2: I the only the only reason I included Clara is because it's his final season, and I I realized as I was writing that up that. Because because it's his final season. The final seasons, at least in the modern era in particular, tend to be capstone seasons where all of the all of the elements that, that make
0: that doctor that doctor are brought back somehow. So Clara was such a big part of Capaldi's era that they're going to have to tie her in somehow. Mm, you know, you know what I think they should do. She dies at the end.
2: She's going to have to. They've, um, they've got because, to do that. Yeah, because because her. Because her, her, her situation when they parted was so specifically what it was that um, she can't just wander around forever. There's got to be consequences.
0: Yeah. You know, you know who they should bring back? Oh. The Doctor's daughter. For a different regeneration of her. That would be cool. You because know, be cool. we've only seen her once, and it just seems like a waste. It is, it is. You know, I mean, yeah, maybe may in it was in the uh, it was in the tail end of the uh, Russell T. Davis era, wasn't it? It was a uh, yes, his, yes, his final season before the specials.
2: Yes, and uh, played by um,
0: Georgie Georgie Moffat.
2: Georgie Moffat, J- J- who's uh, Peter Davison's daughter and uh, uh, Tennant's eventual wife. They married.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, he was dating Sophia Miles uh, before. (laughs) He likes his blondes, doesn't he? (laughs)
2: He
0: does, plus. Yeah, I I thought it was a really good episode. I mean, I think the the season's been pretty good so far. I mean, I I quite enjoyed the uh, Haunted House one. That was lovely. Um, um, As I said, David
2: Suchet was was spot on. The special effects were marvellous. The story was well thought out. Um, I thought the makeup on his mother turning into a tree was marvelous that was not cgi that was a woman in practical effects makeup Mm -hmm. um and that was really really well done i think i think they did it in part because of Suchet because he was and Suchet talked in an interview about the fact that he was the pre-green screen generation and he had issues with you know adapting to the green screen and having to do that he's done it but he's you know he struggles with it it's not his, his generation that, you know, is, is familiar with that. And so I think they made his mother you know, a, a physical person in, in makeup in part because they didn't want him to just have to interact straight with CGI. They wanted, they wanted him to be able to have a, a person to actually grab onto and interact with in, this, in the course of those scenes for his performance. So yeah,
0: that was very helpful. David Suchet, old bringing that. Uh, I mean, awesome. you know, he's awesome.
2: He's awesome.
0: I think he, he did payroll for years. Um, B- payroll, I can never say yeah, that.
2: Yeah, he. Uh, he took
0: it. Took him. Took them twenty five years, and he started all of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, he 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 also uh, played the uh, bad guy in 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 um, sort of like uh, God, i can't remember it now. Uh, the Iron Eagle. He was a bad guy in the first oh. Iron Eagle movie. Oh, that's cool. You know, just quite funny. It's like you know, if if he was in here in the room he would probably cursing me for bringing that up because it's such Ow. a cheesy eighties movie. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> it's like the, you know, it's not the cheesiest of '80s movies, uh, but it's one of my favourite '80s movies. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, if I'm having a bad day, I'll just stick that movie on because it's just so far-fetched.
2: You
0: yeah. you know, um, you know, it's And it's also because of a uh, new Gothic Junior, isn't it, mm, as well? Yeah. Um, but, I, I, you know, I, I didn't realise it was David Suchet that was a bad guy in that until the other day, and I thought, good oh, the hell, that's David Suchet. Suchet. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, that boy's got it around. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, that, that was a good episode. I, you know, I've just, I'm kind of enjoying the series more now that I'm not reviewing them. Mm.
2: I can see that you know,
0: I can see that because It, it just allows me to uh, Just relax and watch it And not, not be so goddamn damn about it mm, Yeah So, so I'm, I'm kind of glad That Dominic's enjoying Doing the uh, Doing the reviews Because I, I I got to a point where I wasn't enjoying it uh-huh. Because when, when 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 they did something That wasn't You know Particularly right I had to call it Yes you know? And um, and so far From what I've seen Of Dominic's reviews He's been doing the same Yeah You know If you see something That there's a problem with it You know We'll call it Yeah And
2: i and and I and I do
0: the same too. Uh, yeah, it was an enjoyable um, episode. Is there anything else that we can discuss? Has been news about a new Inhuman series.
2: Oh yes. And the casting um, that. Yeah, I'm I'm very I'm very much looking forward to the Inhuman series, in part because I just I just want to. Um, uh, um, Yellen, uh Raon is going to be playing um, the, the the brother Mac, Maximus, is it?
0: I think so. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I'm not as familiar with the Inhumans characters. This is going to be kind of my my introduction to them. I saw, I saw them briefly years ago when they were featured on the Fantastic Four animated series. That's about it.
0: Yeah, we've seen so. them featured a little bit on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but not to the same extent. No, being... not, the, not the royal family, not these specific these specific characters, although they did say that if they could find a logical place, they would tie the two continuities together. So that remains to be seen. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, so I, I'm kind of looking forward to that. And there's another, uh, there's another other side project isn't there with dc that's happening another tv show project. oh
2: black lightning yes. yeah
0: that that one that's that, um i I'm, I'm just gonna keep an open mind about that one
2: yeah what i've heard is they're they're not planning to tie that into the continuity of the other shows which is a mixed blessing because on the one hand that could backfire on them but on the other hand if they do tie it in they'll have too many crossover characters so i mean it depends on how you look at
0: it Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I'm kind of looking forward to that, and um, obviously, you know, it's actually a good time for television right now because we've got American Gods on at the moment, which is doing great guns. Yeah, it's a
2: wonderful series. Mm-hmm.
0: I've just got the uh, screeners for the um, for episode five, three, eight, 8 Oh, so you're going to get the
2: whole series, awesome so for I'm,
0: you. I'm going to be um, I'm going to be sort of like, watching those over next week and writing the recaps, Monsters and Critics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they, they they you know I just got the email off the uh, stars today. And let know that it's, you know that, that 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 my uh that they're now in the screening room um, I and i was
2: i was pleased to read that the um the couple introduced in last night's episode would actually be featured uh in an on- ongoing capacity
0: because in the book they're only featured in that one scene
2: so
0: mm-hmm, yeah. yeah oh i um last night's was episode three for you guys right yes yes I, I, I just moved the bank job <laughs>
2: The bank
0: job was exquisite, and it, it reads even better in the book. You know, it's just so, so. like uh, you know. The thing is, you know, you can actually see people actually falling for that. Yes. You know, if they if they see someone dressed in a suit that that that's got some some level of authority to it, you can actually see certain types of people falling for that that trick yes. and giving giving their pin number away. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought, well, yeah, well, this is genius because, sort of, like, um, you know, he didn't even need to, you know, you could probably do it without ha- actually having to call in the security, you know, without having to deal with the security. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, and you'd probably get away with it too because it's sort of mm-hmm. like it's, it's 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 a trick that I don't think they'd they'd actually think of. Around. No, So no. you know, we've got to credit Neil, you know, Neil Gaiman for being, you know, somewhat of a of a genius here. You know, if he wants an alternative career as a bank robber, he's got it sorted. <laughs>
2: What what I love about Gaiman is that he takes Moffat's ability to um, to highlight the mundane within the fantastical and dials it up to Mm eleven. And it's it's and and American Gods is. An absolute masterpiece It's really long But it's an absolute Masterpiece And, mm-hmm. and, he, and he, he Demonstrates everything That
0: makes him A really good Good writer Yeah I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward To watching these Next few episodes um, Another show That I've been watching Recently And um, you know I never thought I'd enjoy it But I did um, Is I've been watching Twelve Monkeys mm. And you know Based on I've not seen the film But the, th- the film looked a bit dark And bleak to me It was And I and
2: I and I just I, I felt like I, did, I had done it And I wasn't in- interested in the series but I'm glad you're
0: enjoying it I'm kind of enjoying it because they're going back and forth through time and the they, dealing with paradoxes and stuff like that we've got this great character in it called Jennifer goines mm. and she's she saw like a, a mental patient she's actually one of these fits to uh, you know fits points in time sort of things. she's one of these fits characters she's what you call a prime um you know in 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 terms of the time travel thing whereas if she's killed off or whatever it create a, a you know a huge paradox and mm. and, and and stuff like that. But the actress Suze is absolutely fantastic. And I was watching the uh, series two Finagi and she's just about going to battle with the uh, with the Twelve Monkeys, with the army of the Twelve Monkeys at the end of, 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 of the season two, Fanagi and she's she's quoting from Independence Day. <laughs> oh god and it's just so he's just so brilliant He's so funny you know because oh. she's she's quoting from Independence Day you know there's all all these other pop cultural references that she's sleeping in there and she's oh not even, she's not even a main you know she's not like one of the main characters she's kind of one of the main recurring characters isn't it you know Um. she's just brilliant so you know I'm, I've got the I've got all all, all all 12 episodes of the season 3 of that to watch as well <clears> which I'm doing for monsters and critics so I'll be starting in that tomorrow, yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm going to be twelve monkeyed out by the weeks. Eh? <laughs> um, but yeah, I've been I've been enjoying that show, and and I was actually quite surprised because remember coming out and I remember thinking, no, nah, this isn't for me. It's too dark, and you know, it's so like it's you know too depressing. And at that point in time, I just had my thing of depressing TV shows, um, you know, because we, we've had so many of them. Yeah, for
2: some for some reason they they equate depressing with good, mm. and, and, and it, it, it it doesn't it doesn't dawn on them the wider fair can also
0: be good yeah but I think we're probably going to get a lot of more night of as well um of late because uh, I think thing is actually I think the I think things are actually going to turn on the axis. 'cause we've got you know, you guys have got Trump, we've got um uh, we've got the wicked Brexit. witch we've got the wicked witch Theresa May and Brexit. Um, yeah. so I think the entertainment industry will probably sort of like turn to sort of like showing more lighter mm-hmm. You now to sort of like um, to take our minds to think about it. Yeah. Because um, that's what that's what usually happens. Um, I mean if you notice during the Reagan era and um, and George W. Bush back in the you know in, in the eighties and nineties, you had, you know, more pulping lighter characters. That's true. And then that's true. Then when the Democrats get in, you know, you started having all this darkness and destruction. (laughs) I, I, I think I think it's sort of like I think it's that thing of opposites attract. You know, if, if you have sort of like right wing uh, dogmatic uh, politicians in office, you usually have sort of like uh, very very sort of like gun heroic night fair for entertainment. And if, if you have sort of like left leaning uh, politicians in, in, in office, you get all this depressing stuff. <laughs> i think that's where it goes there's, there's definitely a pattern there <laughs> and uh-huh. on that note because i want to end on a positive note uh, that's the end of this episode of sfp now so i'd like to thank reesa for joining me and uh, our special guest andrew Maxwell who here, here for, for coming on the show um we're, we're going to be taking a middle break. We'll be back in a couple of weeks, hopefully, uh, with, with, um, with more interviews. Um, or we might just do a TV talk show because we've got, um, we've got a new, we've got odd new announcements coming of new TV shows that are due out. So, you know, what do you think, Reese? It's maybe an idea to do, do a show looking at some of the new TV shows when we get, get more, uh, and get some of the trainers from, from them off the, um, up front and whatnot. Yes, yes, that'll work. Yeah. That'll work. So we'll do that, maybe. Yes. And, um, if we get enough, if I manage to get another interview sorted by, by by then can slip that in as well yeah. okay well that's it for now um, thanks for listening